Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your co-host, Angie Rogers-Howell. Now, what is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast where we feature awesome women in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. Today, our premier sponsor is Schaefer Leadership Academy. Find out more at SchaeferLeadership.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Rabbit Tattoos. Find out more about them at LuckyTats.com. Who do we have on the show today? Today, we have Kirsten Smith from Ball State University. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know our daughter, Audia, has now gone to kindergarten for yep. a couple of months. We've got some stories for her. Yep. So far, she's liking it most of the time. But the other day... The other day... So I'm also in a show at the Civic. So yes. I'm at rehearsal all night long. And so I thought, you know what, self, I am going to make our lives easier. And you know what happens when you try to make your lives easier? You don't. It makes it more Somebody else messes it up. Somebody else messes up my system. But I have a system. So we got the lunch calendar and we, we were like, okay, we're going to go through the month and we're going to color code our lunch calendar. So pink means you're eating lunch at school. Yellow means you're t- packing a lunch, yeah. taking a lunch at school. Makes it easy. Great. All you got to do is look at the calendar. You don't even have to be able to read because you're in kindergarten. Pink, you eat there. Yellow, you take your lunch. So earlier this week, three days in, three days into my new system, <laughs> one literally one minute before the bus shows up at our doorstep, Audia's like, "Where's my lunch?" I'm like, "It's a pink day. You're eating lunch at school. You said you would eat this. It's to- It's like chicken nuggets or some food that she will totally eat." She's like, "I don't want that. I want to take my lunch." Has a total meltdown. Meltdown. I have to walk her outside. Walk her to the bus. <laughs> I'm in my pajamas. In my slippers. Uh, so, hi, bus driver Kevin. I'm in my jammies and I have to put her on the bus and say, go to school, eat lunch at school. I can't do anything about this. But this is not the end of the story. <sighs> no, because of course she's my child and when she gets fixated on something, it like sticks forever. So, I'm in the shower and I check my phone afterwards and I have a phone call. Like from phone, the school. From the school. So, I'm like, uh oh, school called. School only calls when there's like a big, big problem, somebody's sick. So, uh oh. But they didn't leave a message and they didn't call Matt. So, I was like, all right, fine. So, an hour later, at nine o'clock, I get a phone call. I better answer this one. So, they're like, yeah, we have Audia in the office here and she's really concerned about her lunch. Are you going to be bringing her lunch? I'm like, no, I'm not bringing her lunch. <laughs> So she had made such a fuss that she got down to the office. She got sent to the office so they could call, call me you. about the lunch. She's like, I want you to bring me a lunch. I'm like, I can't. I am at work. I have things to do and I cannot bring you a lunch. I'm sorry. They have lunch at school. Eat it. I was going to lose my mind. But luckily you didn't. I didn't. everything Every, turned she out. She ate the lunch and it was fine. Everything was fine. But it was like... Don't call me for lunch. Like if they're school, if there's a problem, like somebody's puking or dying or on fire or anything like that, call me. That's great. Don't call me because my kid is pitching a fit because she doesn't want to eat her lunch because she's just conning you. She she knows what she's doing. She's testing her boundaries and she's pitching a fit and she wants to see if she can get away with it. But this mama does not care. And there is plenty of food at that school that she can eat and not complain to me because she doesn't get to take her baloney or whatever it was that day plus you eat lunch at 10 30 you can't be that starving anyway so figure figure it out <laughs> well i i'm sure she learned an important lesson not to mess with mama uh maybe we'll see if she does it again 
Hi there, Matt Howe introducing you to Purple Hippo Ads, local digital advertising. Let's say you want more qualified customers, clients, and donors in your sales funnel. We create display and text ads targeted to attract those visitors to a landing page with specific information and an intake form for them to contact you. We manage, tweak, and adjust the campaign to optimize every click and gain more conversions. Purple Hippo Ads are perfect for discounts, offers, email opt-ins, events, introducing new products or services, increasing donations, or finding qualified job applicants. Interested? Great. Just fill out the contact form on purplehippoads.com and let's talk. Our premier sponsor today is Schaefer Leadership Academy. Find out more at schaeferleadership.com. Yes, today we want to talk about a workshop they're having called Improv Your Team. Now, when's that happening? It's happening September 26th, um, and it's presented by Ted Ward of Achieve Onward. Okay. And it's important to find out ways to get along with people we work with, or we might miss on ways they contribute to our environment. This workshop will introduce some key principles of improvisational performance to find agreement and enhance our workplace relationships. Sounds very entertaining. It does. So it's also called Yes And. So we'll be learning how to yes and with our coworkers, our colleagues, our bosses. Yes. But yes and, and. is the key principles of improv. And you'll be learning those at Schaefer Leadership Academy on September 26th. Of course, you can learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Today in the studio, we have Kirsten Smith from Ball State University. Now, tell us about that long title you have. <laughs> um, I work as the Associate Director. I am also the Technology Officer, and I manage our labs at the Center for Information and Communication Sciences at Ball State, and okay. it's a graduate-only program. We educate at the intersection of business and leadership and technology, so it's not an MBA, and it's not an IT master's mm -hmm. degree, but it's kind of a hybrid degree. Oh, interesting. That's mm -hmm. cool. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. So I spent most of my youth in the Northern Virginia area, so metro D.C. Okay. area. Yep. So and you're an East Coast gal. I am, okay. but I haven't lived there in so many years that I, I'm. when people say, where are you from? I've been in Muncie long enough to say... I'm from Muncie. Okay. Very so, nice. yeah, I've been here 20 years. Oh, yeah. That is That's long yeah, So I'm from then, there now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or from here now. Yeah. Awesome. So what brought you to Muncie? Kind of a long, convoluted story. I've... we got time. Yeah. Okay, aren't, aren't they yeah. all? They're all yeah, convoluted. Exactly. It actually, it, it, I mean, it's interesting to look back on your path and mm -hmm. see, you know, sort of how things stitch together. But I started out as an actor. I was in Washington, D.C., and I was part of a theater company called Woolly Mammoth. I was their in initial company. Um, I met my now husband in that theater company okay. and we moved to LA to try to make it as actors which we didn't because we're here um, <laughs> but that's okay um, but while we were out there we did a number of things besides waiting tables to keep ourselves in food and you know shelter mm -hmm. we started a corporate training and education company and so we did we created we did murder mysteries we did we created game shows to help educate Mm -hmm. different companies on changes that were happening or whatever. So then, and that was fine. We loved it. It was a great place to be um, single and no children. And then we had a child and we looked at each other and said, hmm, Is this do we where really want to be poor in Los Angeles <laughs> right. and raise our child? 
Um, and so that didn't seem like the most responsible mm-hmm. thing to do. So my husband uh, went back to school, got his PhD at the University of Missouri. So we moved there, spent okay. five years there. And then he got a job at Ball State, which brought us back here. Okay. And then I started thinking, well, what am I going to do? I need to figure out how to have my life and what I what do I want that to look like I went back to school actually at the place I'm working Mm -hmm. CICS to get a master's degree and I thought I was going to use that to sort of revive our business and make it more current and make it more digital and you know less analog but then as I got into it I really got excited about other things and in technology and other possibilities and so I just kind of switched gears and now I'm here awesome yeah well good yeah. so I, I heard you mention you have one kiddo I have two actually two? Yes. okay yep. all right yep. Yep. Awesome. two adult children oh, so good and grandkiddos and, all and that? one grandchild one, oh, okay. yep I just turned two so congratulations thank you yeah fun, fun. <laughs> he's of course the most smart beautiful of course he's the, the most I mean, amazing child course, ever yeah. right <laughs> now talk about uh your technology passions mm-hmm. and what really set you ablaze so a story I tell people especially the the incoming students mm-hmm. because I've sort of been through their process is that when I first started the program I started part-time because I had kids mm-hmm. um it was like I felt like I was dropped on another planet because I literally did not understand half the words that were coming out of the professor's mouths. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't, I, I, I would just sit there sort of stunned. I'd take as many notes as I could. I'd write down acronyms. Maybe I spelled them right. I didn't know. Just writing like crazy. And then I'd go home and I'd look at the stuff. And for the first, you know, half of the first semester, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just weep. I'd go downstairs crying. My husband's like, what is wrong with you? I said, I'm just stupid. I don't understand any of this stuff. I don't get it. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to quit. And he said, don't quit. He says, stay in it. You'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And what's the worst case scenario? You get through the semester. You flunk. Who cares? I still love you. You still have your family. It won't matter. Right. Like, all right. So, you know, I'd wake up weeping less, (laughs) less often (laughs) after a while. That's progress. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then I don't know. It was was both a slow progression and also kind of like a spark in my brain. I would just go, wait a minute wait a minute, I think I'm kind of getting this stuff. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, one of the classes I was taking, I did kind of understand because it was uh, user experience, which is all about how users and devices mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the environment work together, which, you know, you can get your brain around right. that right. concept, right? I see how that works. So that kind of let me hang on to some stuff I thought maybe I could understand. So that it gave my brain room to work on the stuff that was totally confusing to me. And so I was able eventually to go, oh, I, I see this. I can see how all this works together mm-hmm. and then I was just like this is great and I was like oh, I'll eat some more I'll eat some more I'll eat some more um, I'm not saying it wasn't difficult it still was challenging I hadn't been in school for 15 years I hadn't written a paper I mean yeah. I've been dealing with you know toddlers and you know puke so what did I know <laughs> um, yeah that's quite a shift it is I was, it's a kind yeah, of a big yeah. shift yeah so well you tell us about going. your current role and uh, what you're involved in there at Ball State sure so um, one of the things I do is I manage our graduate assistants in our labs. So we have a number of labs in our core courses, and our graduate assistants help our other students navigate successfully those labs. So I work with them in that. I also run the Women Working in Technology Initiative mm-hmm. at Ball State, which is one of my uh, great passions. And we've been doing that for, I think we're in year 12-ish or maybe 13. I need yes. to go do the math. Okay. And so that's a lot of, um, it's a it's a really cool thing I get to be involved with. And every year we have a new group of graduate students who come through and they become our core people who help us plan for our big conference in the spring. I also have a group of professionals um, who help me plan. And then we also have started an undergraduate group 
called Working Together in Technology, where we're trying to expand the people who are underrepresented in technology. Mm-hmm. Technology is populated by white men, God bless them all, right. we love them, and we need them as allies because the only way we're gonna get more people, more women, more people of color, right. more diversity in technology is to have men help us open those doors right. and be be aware of the problem. And so we're starting a group that is more inclusive, so it's not just women, but other underrepresented people in technology for undergrad groups. Right. Okay. And they have different motivations, too. We tried to create a single large group, but they have different schedules than graduate students. They have different needs than graduate right. students. So we have those two groups cool. going on. Like yeah. that. Now, are you starting to see a shift in the technology arena? I would say that every technology organization and even business organizations, because, you know, all all businesses are tech enabled. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all technology companies, really, when you think about it. But mm-hmm. in the so let's say you have a financial services firm, the tech side of that house is what we're looking at, right? Okay. Um, but it's changing and people, I mean, people are aware of it. It's going to be a slow change mm-hmm. because we have to start with the very youngest children. If there was only one problem to be solved, I think we would have solved it by now. Right. But it's not. It's a multitude of things. We don't have um, role models for girls to look at and go, mm-hmm. oh, I could be the chief technology officer of a hospital. Right. You know? We don't have... Um, we're not teaching computer science in particular, but most technologies in a way that is attractive to girls mm-hmm. and to other people. We're, we make it a very, you know, a lot of boys come in having played video games and taken apart computers. And what for whatever reason, girls on the whole have not done that. Right. So they're stepping into a situation where everything is, you know, all the boys know what's going on. And, right. Everything's and, new every, to them. Yeah, everything's right. new to them. Uh, but there's a number of uh, universities. I think Stanford has created a really cool uh, computer science class. And I think it's called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's something like computer science and creativity or something. So mm-hmm. they're really trying to even make the titles sound less intimidating. So a lot of that's happening. At, um, a lot of STEM stuff is being pushed down into elementary, middle mm-hmm. school, and that will make a difference. It's right. just going to take time for that to happen. Well, you yeah. Know, so. yeah. I definitely think things are changing. Um, one company in particular, and you you and your audience may know this, but Salesforce, mm-hmm. about four years ago maybe, their human resources vice president came to the president of the company and said, we have an issue. He said, what's that? He said, we're not paying everybody equally. He goes, we're not? She goes, nope, we're not. And he goes, what do we do? She said, well, we have to do an audit of all the positions and see mm-hmm. where we are. And they cost them millions of dollars to do the audit in the first place. Right. And they found out they weren't playing women as much as they were playing men. And he, the guy's like, all right, let's make it even. And so they made it all even. They're like, great, good news. We, we've done it. And that's pretty I mean, remarkable. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's that, a that good, good, good step. Then like two years later, she comes back. She goes, we've got to do it again. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean we have to do it again? I thought we fixed this problem. And she said, well, we did for the people that were here with us now, but we've acquired so many companies that those people came in with inequities. And so we have to go back and do this over. So the president of Salesforce is really committed to equality of pay for everybody in his company. And I just, I I think, you know, when we get to every company doing that, then make a difference. (laughs) That's good. But you got to start with Mm -hmm. the bigger ones and and talk about those. So other people realize that there's there's still an issue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to ask you about the uh, the conference in the spring. Mm-hmm. You know, what what should we be looking forward to? That is a really good question because we have not planned it yet. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, tell, tell us a little bit about sure, years I can past. Tell you, I, I can tell you what we what our what our overall plans are mm-hmm. for every conference, sure. which is to create an environment um, where 
technology professionals, and I define that very broadly because we have people that are like hardcore coders. We have people that work, say, in marketing for Mm -hmm. a tech company. So technology is broadly defined, um, and it's for women and male allies. And we have had over the years several sessions about being a male ally, Mm -hmm. so what things men can do to make sure that they're um, helping their colleagues through various processes and, and environments. Um, So we try to do something technical. We try to make sure that we have something uh, personal development type thing and then something professional development. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and try to have space for people to network and Mm -hmm. meet each other and, and, you know, figure out relationships and that kind of thing. So So what do you like to do for fun? That's, you know, I don't know. (laughs) You do have fun. I do have fun. Okay, good. Luckily, I have fun through the course of my day. So I always feel like, I mean, unless it's a really, like, Haggerty day where you just come home and you're like leave me alone I have had fun through the course of the day but I like to toddle around like antique malls and okay. junk shops and stuff really? look for okay. little treasures um, I like to garden and I like to walk I love to walk in nature I need to be outside every day I told my kids I said when I get really old and I'm in a home just make sure they push me outside <laughs> at some point during the day wheel me out there somewhere <laughs> just wheel me outside that's all I ask <laughs> do you have a guilty pleasure yeah, I, I do. All my guilty pleasures, I think, revolve around food. That's all right. <laughs> um, one of the things I really like is like when everyone's gone to bed, I can watch an HGTV show mm-hmm. and drink a glass of milk and eat some corn chips. Okay. I, nice. I, I don't know why I like that combination, but... <laughs> I think it works. It's all good. But I like doing that. What's something you think everyone should do at least once in their lives? I think everybody should live someplace other than where they were born Mm -hmm. for a while. And or if, I mean, I can see reasons why people wouldn't travel outside of our country. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can understand where you live unless you get away from it because you you have no perspective. You can't, you have to pull way back from where you are to see it. And I think international travel is one of those Mm -hmm. things that does it or moving away and living somewhere else yeah we tell all of our kids because we have a million of them but (laughs) uh, we've always told them like graduate go to school you can go to school locally or you know in indiana Mm -hmm. because we don't want to pay bajillions of dollars so get the in-state tuition right Uh, but then move away yeah Um, because that's really when you you find yourself you you know you figure out perspective of who you are who Mm -hmm. you want to be um and all that and then if you want to move back do yeah great but you move move back back with a different with with a different different perspective and a different mindset you've kind of figured out who you are and Mm -hmm. all that um then move back and have grandbabies and that'll be great yes (laughs) i totally agree i totally agree yeah when when i moved to la i had never lived anywhere except in northern virginia ish Mm -hmm. area washington dc i was kind of scared i mean we we were deciding whether to go to new york or la and we decided it'd be better to be homeless in la because it's warm yeah you know at least you can sleep on the beach if you need to right you know okay that'd be all right what we found really quickly is uh my husband roger had a couple of friends that lived out there so he knew two people i Mm -hmm. think i knew nobody out there um but what we found real quickly is that wherever you move you find your own hometown amount of people Mm -hmm. you can only know so many people you only go to so many grocery stores so many bars and restaurants and you'll find those people and you'll make your small town no right. matter what size city you're in. And I think that it's helpful for people to experience that. Do you have any stories from the L.A. days that, uh, that are okay to tell? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is interesting, but one of the things I did when I first got there is I worked um, at the Improv. So I was a server there for a couple of years. Oh, and okay. so I saw, you know, Robin Williams and all kinds of, all people, kinds of people coming in there. and out of the, the restaurant. And so that was, that was kind of interesting. That'd be fun. That's interesting. amazing. To see. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Any favorite books? 
boy, that's a tough one. I love to read. I should probably should have added that to my things I like to do. Um, I really love to read. I guess I would say I have to qualify it, the Harry Potter series, mm-hmm. yeah. because I started reading it when my kids were little. And one of my children was Harry Potter's age when we started reading it, so mm-hmm. he got to grow up with Harry Potter. Right. So it was kind of, That's you know, fun. it was kind of a yeah. nice, nice thing. Yeah, yeah. So I have to say that. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Really appreciate you, you coming in. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for all the work you uh, do for women and technology. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for stopping it. by the farmhouse. Yeah. We're also sponsored by Lucky Rabbit Tattoos. Find out more at LuckyTats.com. Did you know that this year, Lucky Tats is celebrating their 17th year in business? 17 years? Yeah, it's almost like a like an adult business. Uh, in June 2002, Dan switched on his open sign and said, here goes nothing with a little bit of a sigh. But this time, 17 years later, he's able to turn on that, that switch and sigh just a little bit less. Hopefully, he's got 17 years under his belt. <laughs> he can do anything. He can. He's amazing. With ink on skin. Yes. It's amazing. I mean, it looks real and amazing. Um, Photorealistic won- tattoos. I've seen them. You can check them out at LuckyTats.com. It's amazing. Absolutely. He does a great job. 17 years. Many, many happy customers. So check them out. LuckyTats.com. So, as everyone knows, I love playing games on the podcast so yep. much that I talk about it all the time and play them on, on the regular. On the reg now, as the kids say, right? Exactly. Maybe. So, I don't know. What are we doing today? Well, husband, you are a wedding DJ, right? That is correct. On the yes. side, as on one of side. your That's many side, side hustles. hustles. Yes. So, in this, I'm sure you play, I know you do a lot of different things, you play a lot of different music, you play a lot of different games. Well, we only play the shoe game. Today, we're going to play our version of the shoe game, <gasps> but we don't have to take off our shoes, because I think that's kind of gross. That is true. So, today, <laughs> we're going to play the shoe game. So, I'm going to ask questions, okay. and we have to answer which one of us it applies to. Okay. We okay. don't have to hold up shoes or cards or anything like that. I have a list of questions about me and you or just general stuff. All right. We go have for to it. answer. All right. Number one, who made the first move? Uh, me. You. Me. Yes. You contacted me on Yahoo. Yahoo Personal. Personals 100 million years ago. I was like, hey, how you doing? Got my attention. Yep. Who paid on the first date? I'm you. Say me. I think you did. Yeah. It was Starbucks. I don't think it was that much money. Starbucks. And then we went over to Hoosier, Hoosier Park. Park and we watched the horses race. Yes. Before they even had the casino or anything. I know. It's a long time ago. Who was the first to declare their love? That would Matt Howe. That would be me. <laughs> Yes. Matt said he it, loved it. It took her a whole another year almost, nine months at least, It was uh, before a, a, the words were uttered from her lips. That's true. Matt said, I love you. And I said, thanks. I like you a lot. Yep. <laughs> that's the way it was. Now I was like, yep, yeah, overstepped that one. No, I mean, we had been together for a long time. It was okay. A normal person should have said it back, but I was not. <laughs> Who proposed? Who you. proposed? Uh, I guess it was me. I can't remember that. It was you. Okay. I didn't propose to you. Now, here's here's something for the listeners that, that you'll love. <laughs> oh, what's this? It's the promise ring. Oh, God, the promise so ring. So the year before I proposed, mm-hmm. I gave her a promise ring because I wasn't quite ready, but I was getting a lot of pressure from the other side. So to appease that pressure, I just did the promise ring. Here's the, a ring. Of my promise. Of my promise to marry you someday. <laughs> it looked a lot was, like I'm, it looked a lot like a wedding ring. Yes. So when I opened it, I was like, is this it? What is this? 
<laughs> but it wasn't. In fact, right now I wear it as my wedding ring because my real one doesn't fit my fingers anymore. But um, but yeah, so he gave me this. I'm like, what are we? Are we in high school? A promise ring? Exactly. That used to be a thing. You gave the promise ring in... and then the engagement ring and then the wedding ring. In high school, people okay. did that. Next question. <laughs> Who's the best driver? Me. You, probably. Yeah. I don't like to drive, so you. Uh, who's better when it comes to directions? Absolutely you. Absolutely me. <laughs> we have this thing in our family. We uh, we say, you know, you're riding shotgun. You're my navigator. <clears throat> you're supposed to know where the hell we're going. Nope. This woman could <laughs> not find anything anywhere. Nope. We were in Hawaii getting married on the beach and everything. We were driving around the next day. Looking for whatever destination we were going to. And we were looking for a turnoff. And she's like, no, the blue dot. Like, she was looking at her I was phone. looking at the, the Google map. I was looking at it. I'm like, the blue dot, it's right there. It says we're here. I was like, wait, zoom in on that. <laughs> and so you have to pinch and zoom. And, of course, we had missed it by three miles. Well, that, like, also, in my defense, this was in 2010. Like, like phones were new then? What? New-ish. <laughs> and, like, map, map quest and stuff. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Who's a better tipper? Me. You. Yeah, usually. <laughs> Just today I at tip. lunch, you put money in the thing. I was like, why are you giving him so much? <laughs> yeah, you're Scrooge McDuck for sure. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, who is likely to steal all the covers? In you, by, by far. For oh, sure. Yes. I'll steal them all and then steal more. <laughs> who snores louder? Me, by you, far. You, oh, yeah. I'll for shake sure. the house. Yes, he will. Uh, who's clumsier? Me. You. Me. Yes. I trip going up the stairs. You look like you were going to say something. Well, there's so many examples that I want to give. <laughs> but one was playing with a dog oh, after yeah. a, a, a night I of bashed. a few adult beverages. And she she came to the bed. She's bleeding. <laughs> she doesn't even know she's bleeding. But it's just, dri- I'm like, what the world happened to you? And yeah. I fell. I banged my elbow on the register. register those metal the air conditioning grate. And bashed the bejesus out of it. Who's more stubborn? I am. I think we both are. You're pretty stubborn, but not like me. Like, well, that's I, true. I you can, I you can, can take it to a whole nother level. I can go. Who's a better dancer? Oh, that one's tough. We Neither both one of us. We both can't dance worth a dang. No, we can't. I do it on stage and I'm still terrible at it. <laughs> Sometimes I call you Elaine. You do the Elaine. I do. Know? I'm like, Ooh. who's messier? Messier? You. Me. me. Yeah. I clean up a lot of messes. That's true. He cleans up our shoes. He's such so good. We have a big shoe pile and a shoe rack. All of us kick off our, well, not him, but the rest of us all kick off our shoes as soon as we come in the house. And every night, Matt takes all of our shoes and he lines them up all nice and neat. And every day he's like, I'm picking up these damn shoes again. Somebody's got to take care of this family, damn it. (laughs) Well, we both take care of this family. But who has the best style? You do. Me, for sure. Yeah, Um, I have one style. Matt has an outfit, black pants, a collar, polo. Yeah. That's all you, that's what you get. Yes. Or in the summertime, like if it's at home, it's like your khaki shorts, car, dad cargo shorts. I try to look like the cool old dad. So. You're the cool old dad when you go to like a concert and you wear your Pink Floyd shirt because it's like I your know. concert shirt. Everybody asks me about And everyone's like, dude, that's so cool. That's an awesome shirt, man. They're probably all high when they're saying it, but you know. Hey, whatever it takes. You got the cool points there. That's our game of the shoe game. Let me see your questions. Okay. Who's better at keeping secrets? Me. By far. (laughs) 
thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at GoneBoss.com or hashtag GoneBoss. We're on Instagram at GoneBoss2K or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you hear today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Our premier sponsor today was the Schaefer Leadership Academy. Find out more at SchaeferLeadership.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Rabbit Tattoos. Check them out at LuckyTats.com. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week and find out who has gone boss.